Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Keep It 100 with Sean and Krista Smith. Hey, all our peeps, how you guys doing? <laughs> you guys, can you believe, I, I was just thinking about this. I think we started this in 2020. We're like two and a half years into this podcast. Is that right, Sean? It is true. And we eclipsed over 200,000 downloads wow. in 84 different nations. Come on. And there's a, a thing that evaluates downloads. It puts us in the top one percentile globally in wow. podcasts, but as I've said to my friends, I'm not trying to break our arms, patting us on the back. I actually think there's so many bad podcasts out there <laughs> that that helps our cause. That's probably it. That's super funny. We just want to thank you for being a part of the Keep It 100 yes. tribe, for downloading, for sharing. So many of you shout out on social media. It means so much uh, just for you guys to be a part of this. We really do this for you. And so uh, your feedback's amazing. And I'm so excited that we're going to jump into this conversation because we have the incredible Will Ford on this oh episode. My. And it is so rich because that man is like a walking revelation, right? And I'm not exaggerating. Literally every time I talk to Will or you talk to Will, the man has so much consistent revelation. If you guys aren't already connected to Will and DeHavilland Ford, they're dear friends of ours. Get connected to their ministry. They're the real deal. Uh, But before we dive into that conversation, we have a really cool just kind of highlight that we want to talk about. Uh, Many of you know we had our Momentum Conference this past January. God did the incredible. he He did the unprecedented. And we saw, we kept saying, it's not a conference. I promise you, it's not a conference. Get in the room. And we, it it really was one of those moments where you just wanted to be in the room. And we know so many of you that were, and so many of you have said, I wasn't this year, but I'm coming in 2024. And we are having momentum 2024. We'll tell you those dates later. Um, But you know, we, we, we felt enough of an unction of the Holy Spirit to keep it going and not to force it, but just to respond. And when Asbury broke out, we really felt a holy invitation of what's the response in the Bay. So Sean and I just prayed and we felt like, like it was to be on St. Patrick's Day, May, March 17th, here in Oakland, California. And there's so many uh, revival wells. There's so many wells of the past, just people of great faith that have come, the Smith Wigglesworth, Catherine Coleman, Mariah Woodworth, Etter, so on and so forth, have come through the Bay Area and had massive moves of God. And we feel like we're in this place where we're, we're redigging the well. So having it on St. Patty's Day, Sean, it was really significant. Um, I'm going to just give a little bit of a recap, yeah, or maybe you do that. Well, you know, the the recap is that we just had, first of all, over, it was overflow crowd. It was close to a uh, 400 people, yeah. if not 400 folks showed up on two weeks notice. Two weeks, we just put it up on Instagram that, hey, come join us if you're hungry. These momentum nights are free. Uh, we're just coming together to seek the face of God and seek a move of God and then ultimately become that move. And uh, worship was profound. Uh, there was just some prophetic words you gave, uh, prophetic. Uh, and you. M- m- yes. And there was deliverance. There were yeah. salvations. We had eight people oh, respond to amazing. give their life to Christ. I just shared this simple thought, 1 Kings 18. I'll just throw this out there. This is a challenge, Keep 100 Tribe, that after Elijah went up on the mountain and challenged the 850 false prophets, some of Baal, some of Asherah, uh, they couldn't call down fire. In other words, their gods were mute but and dead, and they weren't gods at all, small g. But Elijah called on the real God, and when he did, fire fell. But I, many people preached on that. What I preach on is the very next part. The wicked king Ahab, who was the king over the nation that should have been leading 
the people towards God, Yahweh, Jehovah, he actually allowed, he and his wife, uh, Jezebel, they allowed worship of Baal. And so right after fire fell, there were two contrasted response. It says Ahab went, ate and drank. Like he went and got and indulged his flesh. He went back and did what he always did. He went back and Netflix binge. He went back and just started scrolling and just on, on Instagram and on, you know, social media. He just went back and did what he always does. But after the fire fell, it says Elijah went up on the top of the mountain, put his face between his legs. In other words, he just got kind of in a birthing position and cried out. And then he called his servant to go look for the rain of God. And after seven times looking, they saw the hand, a cloud the size of a man's hand and rain fell. So here's the whole principle. Like when fire falls, what is your response? Ahab went, ate and drank and, and chilled. But Elijah got in a birthing position and says, no, the fire is a sign, but I'm still on assignment till I see rainfall. And that's what I think momentum is about. That's what I think is the cry of God and what he's putting in his people right now is that we see fire fall at Asbury. We see fire fall just simply even in response to the success of the Jesus uh, revolution movie and all the different stirrings that are taking place all over America and even the nations of the world. Fire is falling, but are you going to go back and simply do Christianity the way you always done Christianity? Or are you going to get in position to partner with God to birth the reign of God? Because there's a reign. Fire falling is what it takes to get folks' attention, but rain is what causes the harvest to come forth. And then we had a massive time of everybody bum rushing the altar at the end, more prophetic ministry, healings, deliverances, people linger. We had a four hour service. So when you say share with what God did, man, I could go on forever, but it was memorable. It was, I, I just say it was kingdom magical is what it was. It really was. It was, you know, what we've been praying for, what we've been believing for, and to live in the days where you're actually beginning to see what you've been praying for. And I think so many people across the nation feel like this. We really are in the days of what we've been contending for. And we're, for some, they might be farther along. I feel like in the way we're in that embryo state, uh, just those beginning stages. And it's so exciting just to see a company of people that are really, really hungry uh, from all different churches all over the region. We had people come up from LA. We had people uh, come from Sacramento. They came from all over the Bay, which on Friday night traffic, you know, yeah. there's a commitment Redding. to come. Yeah, from Reading. We had a Bethel team come down to partner with us. Um, and they were already coming down on their own. And then they got wind that we were doing something and they joined, jumped in and joined us, which was just awesome to have them and just incredible partnership there. Um, but, you know, I thought it was really cool. My dad actually pointed out a really powerful revelation. You know, we did it on St. Patty's Day, but even to back it up a little bit in January, we hosted our Momentum Conference in Dublin, California, named after like Dublin, Ireland, same. Um, and we then had it on St. Patty's Day, you know, our next Momentum, what we're calling nights, and we're shifting to like a monthly gathering here in the Bay that we're calling a Momentum Night, just believing for, you know, the Holy Ghost to move for people to get saved and experience God and encounter and kind of like what we've been seeing and just more of it. And so he, my dad talked about, you know, St. Patrick was a really significant saint and he was a reformer and a revivalist from, from Ireland. He was actually an Englishman ki kidnapped, brought to Ireland, uh, but he brought reformation to a nation that he actually initially held in captivity. He was held in captivity. He actually brought freedom to the place that actually held him in captivity. How powerful is that? Number yeah, one. That's good. And then, and then what's really powerful is I guess in Ireland, when you study it, my dad began to read because he just kind of began to get this revelation that I thought was, man, it's profound. He talked about how there was a battle over the fire and he wasn't sure because the historical books didn't quite indicate, was this supernatural fire like Mount Carmel fire or is this a fire in the natural? We don't know, but we just know that there was whoever had control of the fire had control of the nation. And so Ireland at that time was one of Druid worship, like warlocks and witches. And they had uh, 
uh, control of the fire. And it was really interesting because when St. Patrick came to Ireland, he got control of the fire. So then it shifted the nation and brought reformation and made a Druid worshiping nation now a Christian nation because again, God got, God brought the authentic fire. And so when you preached about fire, it was just really significant because I feel like we're bringing that to the bay. And one of the strategy, strategies that St. Patrick had was what he, what's called a ring of fire. And he would go to different cities in Ireland and actually bring the fire of God. And it created like a circle. It created like a ring of fire where everything began to burn for God, you know, metaphorically. Um, and so, and spiritually, I should say, maybe that's a better way to say it. Spiritually, people begin to burn. And so I feel like we're in a sense, maybe walking in those same footsteps here in the Bay, like St. Patrick, we're creating a ring of fire and we're doing different cities in the Bay. And we're really believing for a massive outpouring, uh, but it comes with strategy, but it also comes with a divine intervention, which we're believing the fire of God to come down. So I just thought that was super powerful and some really powerful insight from my dad. Come on, Tom, Tommy P. You know, I love that ring of fire thing because I, I don't know that you know this, but back when Mario Murillo during the Jesus People Movement was doing ministry in the Bay Area, uh, he had fires that were breaking out in Berkeley of uh, radical UC Berkeley students getting saved. San Jose had an outbreak and he had some things he was doing also in Oakland and some other spots, but he called it because these fires started to emerge. He called it literally the ring of fire all across what? the Bay. So that's crazy. Oh my god, That whole thing. So I didn't know that. Yeah, that's profound. That is profound. I love that history. Yep. Well, keep it 100 tribe. You are in for a precious, I say life changing. This is going to change your life, somebody. We have Will Ford. He and his wife are co-directors of 818 Assigned Ministry. Uh, they are powerful. They're shaking the nation and the nations of the world. Uh, he has an incredible uh, story that he talks about a little bit in the interview, but uh, the, the, they're going to turn it into a movie. So just like you've seen movies, uh, it's being picked up right now. So his life and testimony is going to be a miracle. Uh, he has taught at Christ for the Nations. He has worked as a, a marketplace prophet. Uh, now uh, he and his wife itinerate. Uh, he's an author. Uh, he is an incredible speaker. He's an intercessor. He's an amazing husband and dad. So right now, join us in this incredible conversation on revival, reverence, and race with Will Ford. Keep it 100 Tribe. I know you guys hear me say this often, that you are in for something special, but you have no idea. Words cannot describe. <laughs> I got my brother Will Ford on here. He is one of my closest friends, and he is my brother on planet Earth. He and I talk regularly. Our families yeah. are close. Uh, we hang. Oh my God, we have the same spiritual mother. We yeah. are brothers in every sense. Will, Will, what's going on, bro? What's up, big brother Sean? Ah, love, man, love doing life with you, and uh, so excited about what God's doing with you, your ministry, and Christian man. Just we're in a season that we've been praying for, bro. I mean, we're in it. We're in it like thick, and I just appreciate all the forerunning you've done. You know, to train up a generation to embrace the moment that we're in right now. So I'm. I'm super excited and I'm excited to be with you today. Oh man, can't, can't even begin to describe. Uh, Will, as I mentioned earlier, is a prolific author. Uh, he is truly, it's funny, uh, Hilkiah in the Bible brought the book of the law to Josiah and caused Josiah to go into this righteous, Holy Ghost rampage of, of <laughs> re reformation. And Will is the kind of guy that will do just that. And so Will, man, you, you have been at prayer events. 
You have convened and brought together uh, people from all over and all situations, whether it was kingdom justice, whether it was in prayer meetings, whether it was speaking to uh, young African-Americans and mentoring you and your wife. You guys have uh, just an incredible ministry. You travel to churches. Uh, you've spoken together with Matt Lockett in, in a most profound story of racial unity. So we're going to dive right in this. And so yeah. well, we normally ask people's origin story, but mm. we've had you on Keep It One. <laughs> this is you're the first time that we've had a guy come back and repeat. So I thought Whoa, of a different question to ask you. So here's okay. the question, Will. What was the first moment you knew that God was the God of the supernatural? I always love uh, after finding out how someone was saved, I love to find out what was their Mount Carmel moment when fire fell and they said, The Lord is God, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. What was that for you? Well, you know, I, I could say when I first got baptized in the Holy Ghost, but you know, beyond that though, Sean, I, I went through a period where I uh, I got burned, you know. Church hurt. People talk about it, whatever. But uh, I, I grew up in a in a church that didn't believe in any of the gifts of the spirit. I grew up in a church that didn't believe in any instruments uh, could be used uh, because they didn't see it in the New Testament and all those things. We had to have the right name on the building and all that stuff. And the gifts of the spirit were not for the day. But in the midst of that environment, with me asking questions and reading the Bible, uh, I, I encountered the Lord, and I had to leave that church because I, I started speaking in tongues. But then I went from that church to a charismaniac church. So Sean, I went to a charismaniac church oh where you had to speak in tongues. You had to raise your hands, you know, and I went from don't speak in tongues, you better speak in tongues. Don't raise your hands, you better raise your hands. And, and the honest truth about what's going on in both environments, usually when you have a place like that where it's that legalistic, people are controlling because they're out of control in other areas of their life. Ooh. And so both those leaders, whether charismatic or non-charismatic, man, they were they they had some other stuff going on with immorality and so I just I got disillusioned so what I did Sean I went to a cemetery of a seminary and I just decided I was going to stop speaking in tongues and my best I felt like my best route to you know to to do to Christian life was to know more than anybody else and I was just going to learn all I could but I was I was becoming like that guy you know like the guy who learns everything he knows about Michael Jordan but they don't know Michael Jordan wow, you know what come I mean? on, they know his stats and they his figures and everything. When they walk up to Jordan on the street, Michael Jordan was like, ah, I don't know you. I was taking that kind of approach with God. I was just going to learn the principles. I was going to, matter of fact, the, the, the seminary I went to believed that uh, revival wouldn't come to America until the layman learned Greek and Hebrew. And I was fully immersing myself in that. And they didn't believe in any of the gifts. They, they believe in any stuff. All that to say, that set the stage for me showing up at a revival meeting. My sister told me, she said, you know, you have to come to this. This, this God is moving and uh, you have to be a part of this. Now, my other sisters, they were already, you know, hungry for God and, and, and walking in the gifts of the Spirit and all that. This younger sister of mine, man, she was about like I was. She was resistant, but she got lit up like a Christmas tree at a revival meeting. And so she was telling me about the things that were happening. I was like, look, you know what? Th that stuff is just so whatever. That's a bunch of hype. That's a bunch of emotionalism. You know, th those same kind of manifestations happen in other religions even. Matter of fact, I'm going to go there and I'm going to show you how wrong all this stuff is. So Sean, I show up there <laughs> and I, I pulled out my Greek key Hebrew study Bible, pull it out. I pulled out my notepad. I'm just waiting for the guy to get up there and speak. And the next thing I knew, the power of God hit that place in such a profound way. The worship leader could not lead worship any longer. She could no longer sing. Uh, she just sunk under the weight of the glory of God. And Sean, 
uh, nobody laid hands on me or anything. And in the midst of my doubt and unbelief, how God hit me. Man, bro. <laughs> and I felt electricity hit me on the top of my head. Wow, and it, wow. and it went to the soles of my feet. Man. And I stayed under the weight of the glory of God for about three days. I stayed under the weight of that. And I spent the next three months in scripture trying to figure out what happened to me. Wow. And I, and I realized there are a couple of different words for glory in Hebrew. One is Shekinah, but the other one is Kabod. And mm. I realized, oh my God, that's what I felt. I felt I'm sorry. I don't even know why I'm crying. Oh, no. About Bro, we <laughs> love that, dude. That's real. Like, it hit me, man. And, I, and I, I'm, yeah. But I guess I'm blown away by the love of God in the midst of it. Because in the midst of me pointing my finger. Mm, come on, man. He looked beyond all that and loved me enough to release a weighty blanket over me of love. It was the most profound, deep love I'd ever felt. And that was around 1995, 1996. And that changed everything for me, Sean. Wow. That changed. That's what changed yeah. Ew. Bro, you know what? Now, bro, as tight as we are, there are uh, details in that story I've never heard before. You 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 had ecclesiastical whiplash, bro. You were from that one church. But bro, you can't do nothing to everything. And I love what you said that a lot of times leaders who are out of control compensate by being in control. It's the old classic, you know, the, the comb over. You know, you're going to over-exaggerate <laughs> the guys that's yeah. losing their hair. Yeah. We pray for everyone that's out there. I know, I'm sure that's a, a struggle and a battle. But it, it is that compensation book for you to say, here you kind of set yourself up as a as a skeptical. Like, yeah, but in a, that moment, the power of God hits you, it overwhelms hit you. so hard, man. I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it. Man. Uh, uh, my, my arms, I couldn't even keep my arms on the armrest. You know, I mean, to say I was drunk in the spirit is too light of an explanation to describe. It was like somebody put one of those heavy, weighty blankets on. Mm. And I felt the deepest, profound love I've ever felt, even in the midst of my skepticism and my pointing finger, man. God loved me. And he revealed the truth to me about you know, just raw God revival and what's available to us right now. You know, that's the thing right now, you know, now's not the time for the cynic. You know, we look at what's happening at Asbury right now and a good friend of mine said it best. He said, you know, when the ark is on the move, don't be like Uzzah. <laughs> when the ark is on the move, don't touch it. God is on the move right now, y'all. You know, what's happening at Asbury is so pure. It is so holy. You know, it may not have all the bells and whistles what we like to see from Azusa Street or anything else. But let me tell you, I've had, had a young person who one of my spiritual sons, he was, he was like, should I come and hear you preach on Sunday? Because I was preaching in town. And, uh, you know, we'll, I was going to go for it, you know, because God is on the move. And uh, he said, oh, should I go to Asbury? I got an opportunity to go to Asbury. I said, son, listen, I'm betting on a come on Sunday, right? But God is moving at Asbury. Go. So he goes and he's seen, you know, I'm in Mercy Culture Church, amazing church, Landon shot, Heather shot, amazing, you know, things are happening there, signs, wonders, God's breaking out. But Sean, you and I both know there's something different when weighty glory just presence is just hovering yes, over a place. You know, uh, I don't know if it's best to call it an outpouring or whatever, but revival is not when Brother Wonderful and Reverend Flip Flop show up to town. It's when God shows up and you can't orchestrate it. You 
can't you can't manufacture it. And when that happens, I mean, people, you, you know, you want to get more people in your church, get the presence. And that's what happens. The weighty glory presence of God shows up and it's showing up at Asbury often different times. I'll talk about that in a little bit. So I told the spirit of the son, I said, go to Asbury. So he's seen a lot. He's been wow. in the midst of God moving. He's been touched by God. He's in Bible school. He's doing amazing. He came back. I asked him, I said, uh, Chris, what was your time like at Asbury? He stuttered and stammered for five minutes. Wow. And, and he wept and he cried. And what he said was, it was the most, it was the deepest, most profound love he'd ever felt in any time in his life. And as well as the deepest level of conviction he'd ever experienced in his life. And then also, Shawnee said this, he'd never been around more kind people, hosting people for any kind of church gathering or anything. Wow. He wept at the kindness. And you know, that's, that's something to that, Sean, because, you know, come on, bro. You, you say it better than anybody, you know, the thing that has hindered more revivals has been the clock and our schedules, right? Yes. And so here it is, this school shuts down everything. And, uh, you know, I got a chance to spend some time with Tommy Tenney. One of the things he told me, he said, one of the marks of a true revival, when God comes to stay in a region, it depends in large part on how people host the people who are coming. Mm. If you are a good host of people, God will allow you to host his presence. And that's what he saw there. He said it was some of the kindest people he ever met. He said, yeah, there were, well, you know, things where people would try to, you know, maneuver their way to get in and try to throw their name around here and there to try to get to the front or whatever. They dealt with that in such a gracious way. And at the same time, they ministered to the Lord in such a profound way uh, that, that that two and a half week time, I think the the the, the small estimates are that over 50,000 people just converged on this, on this little town of 6,000 people. Uh, the largest estimates I heard over 120,000 people showed up over that 16, 17, uh, I think it was 18 days of continuous night and day worship, prayer, testimonies, and just raw God, raw presence, and the holiness of the Lord. That's what the people keep talking to me about is just, just how holy uh, the, uh, of, of, of just the, the tangible presence of the Lord was while, while there. And, and it's spreading. It's not just staying there. Texas A&M is getting hit. Lee University being hit. It's spreading. It's interesting. Baylor. I, yeah, Baylor University. Yeah, with some young people from our church that are uh, uh, being part of what's happening at Baylor. So God is moving, y'all. And, uh, you know, we're going to seek the Lord while he may be found time, you know. And Sean, uh, I remember playing hide and go seek with the boys, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got two little boys. And when I play hide and seek with my boys, the idea is not for them not to find me, you know. Right. But every, but the idea is that I like to stick my foot out from underneath the <laughs> curtain a little bit so they can find me. Yes. Listen, that's what that's what God is doing right now. Mm, come on. He's sticking, <laughs> sticking his foot out from underneath the curtain. <laughs> and he's and it, and it was so beautiful about it. He, 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 said, he said, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's not even finding him. He ain't even found him that he's going to reward you for seeking. But oh, but when we find him. Mm. Oh, when a generation find him. And a generation that people have written off, Gen Z, who thought, you know, the least this, the least that, struggling with identity issues of all kinds, going to schools where they say that there are over 107 genders. God says, okay, the very one you're going to write off, that's what I'm putting my hand on right now. And that's, and that's what's happening right now, y'all. Come on. Will, I mean, that leads in. How would you encourage someone today, bro, that our listeners, Keep It 100 Tribe, they're mm -hmm. like, hey, I feel like God is doing something different. Like, revival's mm -hmm. imminent. I mean, you're mm -hmm. sharing with us about these awesome things. How would you specifically encourage? You're sitting across Starbucks from a, a, a person and you're saying, hey, I want you to know this time is so unique in history. Uh, yeah. Even in the beginning, you were talking about what are some of the things you would 
you would share with them to let them know this is not just anybody's Kronos moment. This is a Kairos time epic in God. How would you encourage it? It's a Kairos epic time of God. Let me let me tell you, let me give you a little bit of a backdrop, y'all, on Keep It 100 family, uh, just to keep it 100 for you. Why this is significant. Okay. Asbury University has experienced several outpourings similar to this, all right? The first one wasn't in 1970. I think one of the first ones in, is around uh, 1856, somewhere in that area. And that was during the Second Great Awakening. That happened. But then 1905, they had a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit there. But guess what happened around the same time? Yeah, mm. Evan Roberts with uh, the, the Welsh Revival. And they also had um, William Seymour with the Azusa Street Revival all around the same time. Then later on, 1950, there was a major outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Asbury. This one was centered more around intercession, intercessory prayer. And they had just this, this powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People could not not pray on the mic, praying for awakening. And guess what happened? The healing revivals broke out all throughout America and the yes. latter rain movement broke, around, broke out at the same time. Then in 1970, we all heard about what happened there at that time period where uh, young people kept coming up to repent of their sins, prayer, confession, and the weighty glory presence of God. Again, visits Asbury. What happens at the same time? The Jesus people movement happens. Yes, the charismatic renewal happens at the same time. Then in 1993, there was a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit, tangible, weighty, holy glory released at Asbury. And at the same time, a little bit after that, you have the Toronto blessing. Then you also get the Pensacola revival, Steve Hill and, 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 and all that happened there. Uh, and that powerful revival down there in Florida, the Brownsville revival. Then 19, oh, then 2023. Hello, Will? Okay. okay. Yeah, lost you for a sec. So 2023 in this powerful outpouring. So why am I bringing these things up? Well, God pours himself out like this at a place. He's using it as a sign. But then mm. God, it's a sign to let, let us know that we're going to seek the Lord while he may be found moment. And he's, for whatever reason, used Asbury as this, not a litmus test for what revival is supposed to look like. I, I look what one revivalist told me, uh, old school man, you know, just uh, been used by God since the 70s. We're part of Jesus people movement and all the other powerful revivals. Still, he's in a wheelchair to this day, but he's still hungry, still going after God. He told me, Bob Nichols, he said, I love what's happening to Asbury, but I want people to know that this is that, but that's not it. In other words, this is that. We're in a this is that moment. This is that outpouring that was prophesied by Joel, but don't make it the it as the litmus test for what every outpouring is going to look like. It's going to manifest itself different ways, like it so did in good, 1905 bro. with Azusa Street, like it did in 1950 with the healing revival, like it did in all these other places. There's a there's a way that God pours out himself as Asbury that becomes a sign that let everybody know, hey, it's a little bit thinner around here. A little bit, the resistance is, is breaking. There's an open heaven over here, right? And so that's 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 what I want you to know. But why Asbury? Well, yes, a lot on. of it, I believe a lot of it has to do with Francis Asbury, the namesake. Mm -hmm. Francis Asbury was this amazing man of God who was a, who was a uh, he was the leader of the circuit riders and he was trained up by John Wesley to lead the circuit riders. What did the circuit riders do? They went to all the 13 colonies on horseback preaching the gospel and they preached the gospel, but they also took a strong stand against slavery, right? So you could not be a circuit rider and own slaves. And the circuit riders carried three things in their satchels, a Bible, a hymnal, and manumission forms. The manumission forms were so that as they preached the gospel and a slave owner was there, if he got saved, they said, hey, listen, sir, it was for freedom that Christ set us all free. Therefore, go ahead and sign these manumission forms and set your slaves free too. We know that's what happened because everywhere the circuit riders went, the free 
free slave population, Sean, grew exponentially. My, right? my, my. And so that's what he carried. I mean, over 25,000 people came to that man's funeral when he passed away. He had such a profound, he had a profound influence even on the framing and the shaping of the nation. The Declaration of Independence and the uh, and, and and also uh, with the uh, uh, the Constitution, uh, he had a major influence on those documents. So much so, many people wanted to put the ending of slavery in those documents because of the preaching of Asbury. And some of the founding fathers, like George Mason, refused to sign those documents because it didn't include the ending of slavery because that's the kind of influence that Francis Asbury had at that time. Wow. So he traveled horseback with another man who was a black circuit rider. His name was Harry Hoosier. Harry Hoosier, they called him Black Harry because he was so dark. He was, <laughs> he was, he was, I know, like, we had a, had a friend growing up, we used to call him 2 a.m. because he said he was blacker than midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. So, so anyway, Black Harry, right? So that, that, they called him that, but he was a preaching and praying Man. machine. So Black Harry, uh, at that time period, he was he was uh, just coming out of slavery, couldn't read or write, but Asbury loved this prayer life. And so he was Asbury's intercessor. So one day, Asbury gets sick and uh, he gets sick and he can't preach. So he asked Harry to take his place. And Harry took his place that day. And then before you know it, revival broke out under the preaching of Harry Hoosier. They had protracted meetings where they met for weeks as a result of what God was doing through the preaching of Harry Hoosier. He preached to, to white audiences, black audiences. He and Asbury, Asbury both, they united the body of Christ in that time period. They preached across color lines. Wow. Um, one time somebody was, was critical of Harry Hoosier preaching because he was a black man. He said, listen, if I was a, if I was a physician and uh, you were you were about to die and you were, you, you were really sick, would it matter the color of my skin if I had the remedy for your, for your ailment? And in the same way, I have the remedy for your soul right now. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He preached oh. to audiences black and white all across the country, cared revival, and became actually more requested speaker than uh, than Francis Asbury, much to Asbury's delight. Um, he, he had people, of course, he had he served up a lot of haterade wherever he went to. Right. So the old, old mainstream denominations got upset because uh, so many people were getting converted in his meetings, especially in Indiana. He's preaching, and so many people were coming to hear him preach, black and white. Um, the other denominations got jealous, and they said, oh, y'all just part of his fan club. Y'all just a bunch of Hoosiers. <laughs> so you, if you ever wonder how Indiana became known as the Hoosier state, it was because of the preaching of Harry. My Hoosier, goodness. Right? Uh, Professor Pearson and also David Barton, they both tell tell, tell that story. I bring that up because some people are, 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 so there have been a few people that kind of have mocked Asbury to say, oh, well, you know, if it was real revival, um, there, there'd be more ethnic diversity. First of all, there was a lot of ethnic diversity, more than you realize, because even when it started out, it was doing Black History Month celebration. There was a black gospel choir that was there that day. Oh and, my goodness. See? And, and, and George from the uh, Young African American Worship Leader named George he said, you know, maybe we should stick around a little bit longer because I feel like God is doing something. And 18 days later, you know, the rest is history, right? They stayed there in that place and the presence wow. of God just kept coming in. So it was that thing in the verse. But here's the thing. Don't be like us. Don't touch the art. But the other thing is this. If you want to see revival, do what Hoosier did. Pray for Asbury. Mm, oh, <laughs> What if you pray for Asbury? Maybe God will raise you up to be a voice for revival and awakening. Be like Hoosier. Pray for Asbury. I think, yes, I want to see both ethnic and diverse. I don't want to, I want the inner city to be left out of the storyline of revival this time. Mm. And, 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 and God is doing something. You know, you got black voices going to all the HBCUs, you know. Yes, uh, sir. And that, that amazing group of young people and all these. So listen. 
Let's pray for this thing. Let's fan the flame. Let's not douse it out. And God is, I'm telling you, he's, he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him right now. So why, Asbury? God pours out his spirit like this, not on a geographic location. He remembers his friends. No greater love than anyone of this than he laid down his life for his friend. And we when we lay down our life for him, God goes after our offspring. So it's David saying, to, uh, saying when Jonathan dies, who are the household of Saul can I show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan's dead and gone, but David is still under the influence of his friend's devotion to him. Then in verse 3 of 2 Samuel 9, he says, who are the household of Saul can I show the kindness of God for Jonathan's sake? So this is what the kindness of God looks like. So they go find some broken, busted up kid named Mephibosheth who knows nothing about the covenant. He's hiding out from King David. He's totally mischaracterized King David and think he's trying to kill him. Hides from him for 20 years, but he's brought to the king's table. Why? Because David is still under the influence of his daddy's devotion. Listen, God is still under the influence of folks like Harry Hoosier and, and, and Francis Asbury. And every time he wants to release an outpouring, every time he wants to release something that's going to touch everybody in this nation, he'll say, oh, Asbury, look, I want to do something at the little place, at the little school that they started that has your, that bears your name, where you lifted up the name of my son, where you preached holiness, power, the power of God, and fire and revival. I'm going to do something there to let know that I'm coming after your offspring. He's coming after all of them. I'm a Phibosheth right now. What if we laid down our lives today? What would happen 20 years, 30 years, 200 years later to the Lord Terry? God wants to go after our offspring. Everybody talks about generational curses. They're real. They're powerful. They go to three and four generations, sometimes 10. But listen, generational blessings, y'all, go to a thousand generations. That means basically forever. It's it's, it's, it's also to the memorial stones. Remember Joshua 4? They built the memorial oh, yes. stones. Up. They, they lifted those things up. When God saw those 12 stones, he didn't see a pile of rocks, y'all. He saw the 12 great great-grandsons of his covenant friend Abraham who left everything to follow him. But then Real. in 1 Kings 18, 31, Elijah has his showdown with the prophets of Baal. And the nation is off into Baal worship. They're worshiping Baal so they, they can get rain for their crops and they're bringing this secretism and this mixture and this compromising, kind of like we're doing today. How you gonna burn sage and pray to Jesus at the same time? Y'all say that, say that, bro. Yeah, this, this ain't that season. So anyway, so, so they're bringing in this mixture. Elijah prays, shuts up to heavens three and a half years and shuts down. The prophets of Baal come out and they're cutting themselves and doing all their gyrations. And then it says that Elijah rebuilt the altar of prayer in the nation. How'd he do it? First Kings 18, 31, he took 12 stones. He took the 12 memorial stones from Joshua's time period because those stones will be a memorial to the whole nation. So he puts those stones together to remind them of their covenant with God and to remind God of his covenant with his friend Abraham. He said, Man. oh God, on these old stones, on these old memories, release a new fire for the next generation. Uh. And then the fire falls and then all the people say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And they, they stop limping back and forth between two opinions about who, about how many genders they are. They stop limping back and forth between two opinions about biblical marriage. They stop limping back and forth about, uh, you know what I'm saying. Oh man, Will, bro, you are dropping just revelation from that. It's raining on, keep it on the podcast. It's raining y'all, keep it raining, Will. Let me throw this in. In this yes, next please. movement, I think you begin to address it. What part do you think the fear of God reverence will play in this next move? You and I were talking and you were telling me yeah. about this message you had on the smoke. How important yeah. is reverence and the fear of God in this next move, Will? I think it has everything to do with the fear of the Lord. Um, so I was, the way it, I got uh, caught up to speed on that, honestly. Uh, it's the 33rd day of an extended fast. I was on with my church and uh, I was going to a prayer meeting and this is not a dream. I started coughing because I smelled smoke. I mean, I was literally coughing. I had smoke going into my lungs, burn mm. my chest. You ever have smoke from a chimney or whatever going to your chest and burn? I'm like, man, I 
I got I was a little upset because the fire department came to our house a couple of months ago because the boys, you know, accidentally set off the fire alarm, you know, the steam from the shower, <laughs> set it up. And so, you know, you get fined if they show back up again. So uh, so I was a little angry and I was like, hey, uh, why in the Havlin, it's my wife, I was like, hey, if you're going to do a fire, open up their flute so the smoke goes up in the chimney, there's smoke coming in there now. I don't want to set off the fire alarm again. And uh, she said, well, there, there's no firewood in the house and there's no fire in the fireplace. Oh, I said, well, you, I said, well, you know, you must, you must be on the, you're on the phone again and you forgot and you left something on the stove. You're about to burn the house down, woman. <laughs> and, you know, she's like, okay, you're fasting and there's nothing on the stove and your attitude sucks. You, you need to repent. <laughs> I'm like, but I'm coughing smoke here, you know? Wow. And so I checked the iron. There was nothing. The iron wasn't on. It was cold. So I, I get in the car and I start, I start coughing again, Sean, because I, I, I was being, I was choking from smoke. And I, I called my wife and said, hey, something wrong with the car or something? Because I smell and smoke. She said, Mr. Ford, what if you're on fire? But as soon as she said that, I heard the Lord say this to me. I'm looking for a living sacrifice. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for, and I realized, Sean, I've been studying about David trying to bring back the Ark of the Covenant Come and on, all bro. the sacrifices that he made and all the sacrifices that Solomon made when he dedicated the temple. You know, 22,000 oxen he slaughtered, 120 the sheep and goat he slaughtered to dedicate that temple. And so I had never considered all the smoke that was in the priesthood. So I'm like, man, what is it? So I called you to get a better understanding of this smoke thing, right? And you said, well, Will, the first time God revealed himself to the nation of Israel as they were coming out of Egypt, one, God said in there, I want to have a nation of priests. Have them have them uh, 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 consecrate themselves for three days, have them wash their clothes, no marital relations for three days, so they fast, all that stuff, three days. Yep. Then they show up, about two or three million people, they show up and they see Mount Sinai, the mountain is shaking and quaking. They see the lightning and the thunder. They heard the trumpet blast. And then the Bible says, but then they saw all the smoke. They saw all the, and when they saw all the smoke, the people said, ah, Moses, uh, we don't want that smoke. We're good. You know, you represent us and uh, that'll be good. That'll be it for us. And from that moment on, and you told me this, from that moment on, God's people were never referred to as a nation of priests again until the New Testament, First Peter mm -hmm. two and nine. That's right. In other words, they forfeited the reward of their consecration. <laughs> the reward of their consecration was not better communication in their marriage. The reward of their consecration wasn't clothes they couldn't wear three months ago. The reward of their consecration was not a nice, clean, new suit. The reward of their consecration was all the smoke and greater intimacy with the Lord. But they were afraid of the Lord, but they didn't have the fear of the Lord. When you're afraid of the Lord, you don't want to be transparent. You don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to confess. You just want to put your consecration on and hope it hides you with some kind of religious facade and you think you think God won't see all this all the junk that's going on in your life. No. But to have the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord says this, oh God, I'm in awe of you and I love you and I'm afraid to live my life without. And that's the difference. And so from that moment on, Moses knew God's, you know, the children, children of Israel knew God's acts, but Moses knew God's ways. In other words, the children of Israel knew God through answered prayer, but Moses knew God through what to, he knew what to pray and why, because he had intimacy with the Lord. And that's what the fear of the Lord is. God is bringing back the fear of the Lord. Come on, Will. He's bringing back awe. He's going to bring back. See, the deal is this. The one that they feared the most is the one who loved them the most. And he loved them so much, he'd rather die than spend eternity without them. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. That's what he was demonstrating. And so that's what the fear of the Lord would make you do. He's like, oh, I'm so in awe of you, but I have to have more of you in my life. I'm afraid to live my life without you. I don't want to be left to my own decision making. I don't want to left to be on devices. I want you in my life. You know, so 
Moses, Exodus 33, God says, Moses, I'm done. You know what? I'll send my angel before you. You'll get the promised land. Y'all can have it all, but I'm not going with you. And Moses says, oh no, I'm afraid to live my life out. Angels are nice. I like those guys. They're great. But listen, unless your presence doesn't go up up with us, do not take me up in this place. I want your presence more than anything. I don't want success without God. Because there's no such thing as success without God. Come on. Moses was about to get the crowd without the cloud. And so many people were settling for that right now. We got anointing on our life and other, a few other things. And anointing is great. It's not going from a handsaw to a buzzsaw. That's great, you know? But it's still, it's this false finish line. The Ooh. thing we want is his presence. We want to be led by the cloud. Say so that. many people want the crowd without the cloud and they are sweating it out in their ministries. They have so much anxiety. They have so much stress. They're Brains worried about real. the opinions of people every five minutes on Twitter and Facebook. What are they saying? What are they like? What are the felt needs? And uh, what are the stages of life of people right now? If you get the presence, you don't have to worry about that. Come on, you minister to him. We minister to him. We please God. We're going to serve people. But when we start pleasing people, sooner or later, we'll stop serving God. That is a word, Will. Oh, my goodness. So that's where we are right now. It's about the fear of the Lord. Will, man. Oh, my goodness. Bro, uh, we're going to have to have you on for part three. I just realized (laughs) you're our only repeat guest. We're just going to have to go part three as well. (laughs) Bro, you have done such a great job in understanding the times we live in, understanding the word, being prophetic. I love you, Will, for so many reasons, but uh, one of them, one of them, obviously, you're one of the you're probably the most authentic follower of Christ I know, but you marry the word and the spirit. It's that my mentees uh, always you. say you need a two-winged dove. You know, if you've got a <laughs> one-winged dove, it does awesome somersaults when it goes off the cliff. But if you're gonna you're gonna soar, you need wow. two wings and you you bring word and spirit so well. Man, Will, oh, we, we just have to bring you back. Hey, talk to us, Will. Yeah. Uh, how can people listening stay in contact with you? What are some of the projects? Just give our listeners, I know they're going to tap into what you and your wife are uh, releasing. So talk to us about anything you got coming up and how we can stay in contact. Well, one, I want y'all to pray for me and my friend, Matt Lockett. I'm in the middle of this crazy storyline, y'all, where uh, I have an old relic from my family that the slaves of my family used it to muffle their voices when they prayed. And uh, my friend Lou Engel asked me to share that gathering, but share that relic at a gathering with people at the Lincoln Memorial on MLK Celebration Day. But there was a white guy who was led to that gathering because he had a dream. He had a dream about the man over the event. He didn't know he existed. Found out there was this real guy named Lou Engel. And so uh, he and I became friends. We've been friends for 18 years. Well, fast forward, that white friend of mine, Matt Lockett, found out that the Civil War ended in his family's front yard. So wow. we thought, man, what a, what a cool coincidence. I got this kettle pot where slaves pray for freedom. Yeah, this house where General Lee fought his last battle. We thought, wow, what a cool coincidence. But y'all, we stumbled on more research and realized it was my friend Matt Lockett's family who owned my family where the kettle pot came from. Wow. And we met at the Lincoln Memorial, both led by dreams, to the place where Dr. King said in his I Have a Dream speech, I have a dream that one day the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. So we wrote a book about it called The Dream King, and it's being turned into a movie project. I'm working with Michael Landon Jr., Brian Bird, and now Samuel Rodriguez has signed on to be one of the executive producers to help us with this. He's your friend, uh, Samuel Rodriguez. Yes. He was spoken oh to Congress. Yeah, so he, he just signed on to help us in this project. And y'all, if y'all could just pray for this yes, documentary, sir. you know, if y'all could do that, uh, that would greatly appreciate that. And uh, so that's the, that's that's one of my, my biggest things right now. If y'all could pray for that, I, w- I would greatly appreciate it. You want to keep up with what we're doing. Um, uh, I'm on uh, Instagram, W. Will Ford. Um, I'm also on um, uh, 818 Design, my wife and I's ministry, uh, 818design.org. Uh, if you want to keep up with uh, some of the boot camps and some of the other uh, strategic things we're doing to unite the body of 
of Christ to pursue God through prayer, fasting, and doing these gatherings that we love to do. And Sean's been, Chris has been some of the amazing speakers that we've had and a few others. So we're looking to do another gathering soon. So uh, go there to see, uh, just to stay abreast of what, what we're doing right now. But it's, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited, y'all. God is he's blowing my mind right now. But I can't believe that that's the one memory, Sean, that came to my mind when you said, uh, you know, what's, when, when was the time that you remembered that God, you know, uh, uh, was so real and raw to you, the supernatural was so real and raw. And it was in that that moment of doubt, unbelief, and skepticism. And, and if I had not had God interrupt my life right then and there, who knows what kind of was just, just so bound up by religion and religious spirit, how, 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 how it would have been. But God and his love and his deep, profound mercy. Man. Yeah, just invaded all of that. And I, I haven't been the same since. And so, uh, you know, I just feel, even for somebody on here, you know, you've been kind of skeptical, you've been kind of cynical. Hey, I get it. I understand. I know it's like to have church hurt and be burnt. But let me tell you, God loves you. Come on, bro. And, and the one you should fear the most is the one who loves you the most. And he loves you so much. He'd rather die than spend eternity without you. Literally, that's what he did when he, when he stretched his arms out on that cross and he died. But then he rose again in victory. And he wants to give you greed right now. You don't have to dive at all figured out. That's a, a faith walk. But there's so much he wants you to learn about him. He's, take up his yoke. Take up his yoke. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And he wants you to learn of him. He, he, he will teach you if you'll let him disciple you. I just want to share that with somebody. You, you're struggling with that. Just the yoke of religion. It weighs you down. I know. I know. Been there. But God. Come on. God. Will, man, this is so rich. Uh, you and your wife, you guys are a true power couple. Krista was on a Joni's Table Talk. Uh, yeah. Your wife is so good to see her just branching out in the area of media uh, and just all the things that she's doing, all the things you guys are doing. Man, we love you. We can't wait till the next time we hang out uh, with you, man. I'll get on the phone and tell you some other stuff that's coming up. But hey, yeah. we love you. We're going to be praying for you. You guys pray for this movie, Dream King yeah. or whatever the title they're going to give it. And yeah. well, thanks so much for stopping by. We love you, bro. Oh, love you, bro. Thank you so much, big bro. Love you dearly. All right, man. Bless you. Oh my good. I mean, Will always brings it. That was so, so good. So deep. And what I love, it's always fresh with Will. Like he has spent time in, with the Lord and there's always just such fresh revelation. I know our Keep 100 tribe is so blessed by that conversation. And I know that's going to minister to so many people. I love that because, you know, when people use this phrase, it's, you know, don't, don't get religious on me. If you hear this phrase, hear my heart in this, but they use the phrase, the stars are beginning to align. And, and obviously it sounds like it's a, maybe an astrology thing. I don't know, but it's just this thing that I would Christian viewpoint, look at this and say, there are signs that are beginning to take place that God is moving and God is stirring. And this is what Will brought out. And it's like, God is causing the the stars he created to align. And they're speaking to us. They're calling us out very much like uh, the, the star shown over the birth of Jesus and the babe of Bethlehem. I feel like there's stars that are pointing that there is a new birthing of a new Jesus revolution, a new Jesus movement. And you definitely want to be a part of it. And I see if there's any takeaway is that now is the time to swing for the fences. Now is the time to go all out for God. Now is not the time to have kind of a, a kickback Christianity, uh, a sofa saint, sipping a latte, kind of chill. Like right now, this is the time that history will write, generations will speak of, that we were a part of a move that swept in the billion soul harvest. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at Sean and Krista Smith. You can also find us on Facebook.
Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey, Keep 100 Tribe, you do not want to miss our next episode. So make sure to tune in and check it out. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it